Hi everyone, this is Dr. Jessica and welcome to another episode of The Spinning Chronicles, Life with a Vestibular Disorder. Those who are new and don't know about what this podcast is about, it's me with my journey with a vestibular disorder. Decided to do this podcast to give some hope and shed some light to people out there in this world that are suffering with a vestibular disorder and to show that we can all heal. Those who have been listening already and subscribed to my um, station, thank you so much and welcome back to another episode. So let's get to it. So hi everyone, this is Dr. Jessica and welcome to another episode of The Spinning Chronicles Living with a Vestibular Disorder. Um, those who have been listening to me since day one um, know that I have been diagnosed with my binocular vision dysfunction back in November of 2019, which has changed my life completely in the event that I call it when my life went sideways. If you have been listening, my previous episode was about um, acoustic neuromas. I did my own little research, and as you know, I've been looking for somebody to interview, and after multiple, multiple attempts, um, one person reached out, said they were more than welcome, more than, how do you say this word, um, more than okay for me to interview them, um, and I was so excited, so we were having some technical difficulties earlier, um, my computer, my microphone was not working, then the video was not recording, so we're doing this from my, I'm doing it from my phone, <laughs> so. Uh, today we have, her name is Megan, um, and she was diagnosed in the past with an acoustic neuroma or vestibular schwannoma. So I just want to interview her so she can shed some hope and share some of that light that she has from her re- from her healing progress and where she's at at the moment. So hi, Megan. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for saying for having the ability to talk to me today. I'm so happy for that because like I told you earlier, I've been looking for people everywhere. <laughs> I started reaching out to Aww. people. I'm like, well, nobody's reaching out to me, so let me reach out to people. Yeah. Of course, I'm totally happy to talk about this. And especially I remember when I was first diagnosed and I was constantly looking for someone to connect with that had been through it so that I could just kind of understand what it was like rather than just being told by a doctor. Helpful for me. I didn't necessarily listen to podcasts back then, but I um, I found people on Instagram and Facebook. That was really helpful. So now it's nice being on totally on the other side and being able to hopefully help either educate or give hope to some people who I was in. So... Like I said, I'm an open book today. You can ask me anything. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm excited to have you. So like I told you in my previous messages, um, you're going to be the first person I have interviewed ever. I have interviewed oh. patients in the past in the office, like, how are you feeling? So tell me what's going on. But this is completely different. So mm-hmm. you're the first person ever I'm interviewing. Wow. So well, you're the second second podcast I've been on. So we're both new to this, so. <laughs> okay, so that's yeah. good, that's good. Okay, mm-hmm. so can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, without getting into the details of how you were diagnosed with acoustic neuromas and all that stuff? Yeah, sure. Oh, who I am as a person? Yeah, like who you are um, yeah. and what you do and stuff like that. Okay, perfect. So um, my name is Megan. I live in a smaller town-ish just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia. 
but it's really beautiful, super outdoorsy. Um, I am a NICU nurse here. So I work with premature babies um, who are born at sometimes as early as 23 weeks. And so my, um, yeah, my job at the bedside is pretty, um, pretty intense sometimes working with these critical little babies, but I absolutely love it. Um, I am really into things like meditation and I love writing and journaling and expressing myself in those ways. And especially through this whole journey of having an acoustic neuroma, having a, a brain surgery, which we'll get into, um, but that caused me to really slow down my lifestyle and kind of re reshift. So now I would say, um, I live a pretty chill, mindful life. Like mindfulness is a huge part of my lifestyle. I have um, a cat and I have a dog. So I'm constantly just outside walking the dog and um, enjoying the outdoors and enjoying nature. And today I just went to the flower shop and got a whole bunch of stuff and I'm about <laughs> to like make a really beautiful garden. And so these um, are the simple things that I love. And I also love reading too. I'm like a big bookworm as well. Yeah, that's nice. I, I love to read too. Um, one of the things when I was diagnosed with my problem was I wasn't able to read, which hit me oh. hard because I love yeah. to read. Um, I couldn't even look at the book for like 10 minutes, um, not oh. even 10 minutes. I can take five minutes and my my whole body will just like, oh, God, I have to close this. I can't oh. read. I can't look at the computer. So reading is a big part of me too as well. Um, I was listening to that podcast that you were in before. And oh, yeah. a lot of the things you were saying in your podcast, um, me and you have a lot of things that are like the same. So so That's it was so funny to listening to it because um, your story was similar to mine. Um, wow. Yeah, it was so similar. So that also was weird because we never met before. We haven't talked before. So when yeah. I heard that podcast today, I was like, huh, this is so weird. Like her things are like similar to mine. Wow. Well, it's no coincidence when which we'll go into but sometimes when we're faced with something that can completely change our lifestyle shake things up we a lot of the time not not everyone but for me at least I really went inward and that changed a lot of things for me and so I'm not surprised if we've both kind of found a similar path that is maybe a bit more um, I would say peaceful so um, very cool and I'm glad you got to listen to that Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting that park. I really liked it though. Um, Good. So, so how long um, were you diagnosed ago with that with an acoustic neuroma? Like, how long ago was that? Yeah, uh, almost five years now, which is crazy to think about. But basically, um, I was being investigated for hearing loss. Um, as back as early as 2015. So I was mm -hmm. actually in nursing school at the time. Um, and I just kind of started noticing that whenever I was in a, because we do a lot of, you break off into little groups and you're doing a little group work in um, nursing school and things just started sounding, it was difficult to hear the people in front of me when there was background noise. So that was the first thing that was a bit off for me, but I didn't think much of it. I was just like, oh, this is weird. Maybe I have a bit of an ear infection. And back then I was a huge gym goer. Um, which since not so much, but um, I, I was at the gym listening to my headphones and on one side, my left ear, it kind of started sounding like, a, I would describe it a bit as an AM radio. So it sounded kind of muffled. It sounded kind of static. 
So I, I honestly just assumed that my headphone was broken and I was <laughs> must be broken. Like just, you know, I was in my late twenties and just not paying attention to my body as much as I should have. So I just continued on. And then I got one of the doctors at work to look in my ear. Cause I was like thinking that I'd probably need some antibiotics for ear infection. And um, so he's, everything looked fine. And so he sent me to an ENT specialist. So just kind of time after time. And now it's into uh, 2016 at this point. And I went for hearing tests and it showed that I had high frequency hearing loss on one side. Um, and they said that that's abnormal um, for someone my age to have. Usually if you have a deficit just on one side only, that can be a red flag. So, um, but he wasn't too concerned because acoustic neuromas are extremely rare, especially yeah. in younger people. So they weren't, they were just kind of like, okay, well, let's go for further tests. So um, I'm here. Actually, I believe this is still the end of 2015. I went for an auditory brainstem response test, which I don't know if you know what that is, but um the only reason I know details of it is because of my nursing background. And so every every test I had, I'm, of course, researching. But um, <laughs> AB, ABR testing, um, basically, it tests the brain waves from your inner ear into your brainstem. And then for me, it showed up as abnormal on one side. And I was mm-hmm. in that room because it was actually at the hospital that I was working at um, having that test. So the girl working, I just remember she called a bunch of people in and I was like, oh, this is not good. Like they're pointing at something, you know, like I know something's wrong. And then I left that appointment and she was like, um, just don't don't Google what this means. And so, of course, before I'm even <laughs> out of the waiting room, I'm Googling what does abnormal response test mean? Right. And the first yeah. thing that popped up was a brain tumor. And I was just like, whoa, OK, there's no way. Like, I know that, like, there's no way. So just really shutting down that idea. And um, just because I wanted to focus so much on school. And I didn't, at that point, I was otherwise completely healthy. So the thought of something so big was so traumatizing. Um, I continued on. um, And then I was sent to have an MRI. But out in Canada, like, our healthcare is so different than... um, than in the states and so everything like it's nice because we don't have to pay out of pocket for it which is such a blessing but amazing it's amazing like I've I've heard of people that had my surgery that had to sell their homes to be able to pay for their medical bills so I never had that but the thing is we have to wait a lot longer and so uh so that can be stressful so um I was in my final semester of nursing school like working just studying 12-hour shifts like trying to become a NICU nurse all of this stuff and then um, I achieved that Um, I was tired and I was ignoring my symptoms which I would say at that point was single-sided hearing loss balance issues I was absolutely crazy headaches but those sort of things you I was chalking up to being tired a nursing student Um, Mm -hmm. so I was kind of burning my candle at both ends and which any student like you know you you are tired and you do get headaches and you do. So I was still thinking it was nothing. And then um, my face, actually half of my face started going completely numb. So it was like, I would take an ice cube on my face and I couldn't even feel it. Um, so oh, wow. 
that that was the biggest red like I was like okay something's really wrong and so like how you mentioned that when you found out your diagnosis and you had every single symptom I had every single symptom of acoustic neuroma I just wasn't diagnosed yet but like everything from everything and then the numb face and I just um I just was trying my best to ignore it and so that's why like I like to talk about it now because I think um my experience of ignoring my symptoms and just trucking trekking on with life and assuming nothing was wrong I don't want people to do that I think it's important to listen to your body and I always think if there's um usually most of the time when we have abnormal symptoms there's nothing wrong but the odd time that there is something wrong like realistically I should have gone to emergency and been like my face is half numb but I didn't um so I just continued working I graduated nursing school I um I got a job in a specialty, so I was hired by one of like the nicest, um, biggest hospitals that we have uh, for their NICU department, and I was sponsored paid education to do my specialty. Did that, was working two days, two nights, and just completely exhausted, and then I wrote my NCLEX, which is like basically our board exam for nursing, yeah. and then the very next day I was driving along the highway, and um, I actually was sideswiped by a semi truck and it totaled my vehicle and, and completely just put me down and out and I had a slip disc and I was just had sciatica down my leg and I was just like, like forced to slow down finally. And Mm -hmm. um, so that was difficult. And then three weeks later, I got a call saying that there was a opening for an MRI um, and asked if I wanted to come in. And so, so I went in and had my MRI and, it was like one of those things where um, I knew that they saw something just based on their facial reactions, um, like the MRI techs. Because again, it was at the hospital I was working at as well. I didn't know them personally, but okay, uh, you can usually tell when they <laughs> find something on any imaging. Like you can tell if there's something off. And so, um, so I left that thinking like, oh no, this is not good. Like I know that I'm going to get a call in a couple days saying that they found something. And then, um, and then I went home, just kind of had a couple anxious days waiting, slowly went back to work side of that bad car accident. And then I got a call saying that the doctor wanted to see me. And so then I found out that I had uh, acoustic neuroma. And at first I thought, um, okay, well maybe it's just a small one and that uh, nothing will need done because you can have the option of just watching and waiting and um instead yeah yeah and then uh instead uh this is kind of fast forward after a couple specialist appointments but I walked in and there was a big computer screen two two large computer screens I'll never forget this image in my head but walking into that um doctor's office two large computer screens in the corner corner of his office and there was the picture of the scan with a large tumor and I just remember thinking in my head I am so I'm so grateful that that is not mine isn't that big and like thinking for that patient because like that's just so much bigger than mine would be because at that point I knew I had a tumor but I just had never seen a picture of it um and um yeah so I was just like in complete denial thinking that was somebody else's picture. I wasn't looking at my own. It was almost like so just my body was so stressed that I was almost like dissociating from reality at that point. And so I'm sitting there with my mom and she's the doctor's pointing at the screen and saying this and this is this just trying to explain 
everything that it meant and um, even my name at the front and I was still like that's not mine like I'm in my head thinking the doctor's gonna call me after this appointment and apologize for showing me the wrong person's scan <laughs> so that was my mindset during the entire appointment so I always tell people make sure you bring someone with you because you can kind of get in that state of shock where you're not really able to hear what's happening. Um, so, so yeah, then sure enough, just over time, I just uh, started to realize that it was true and it was um, something that was growing inside my head, which caused a lot of anxiety. And then, and then they told me it was too big for any other option except for surgery. So I had to have um, a neurosurgery, which, so I had the retrosigmoid craniotomy and it yes. was, it took about, yeah, it took about 10 hours long. This was on February 14th, 2017, Valentine's Day. Oh my Day. God, 10 uh, hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a 10 hour brain surgery and he took it out piece by piece by piece because he really wanted to preserve my facial nerve function. And so like my surgeon was Dr. Akigami. He's pretty world renowned like I think he's really re respected even in North America for skull based um, surgeries he's amazing and so I, I kind of told him like if you know, my facial nerve is starting to be affected like please stop the surgery because I knew I'd lose my hearing in that ear I knew I'd lose my balance on that side and I could cope with those two but I, I was not even no I was 30 at the time and I just like not in a vain way, but I just didn't want to have to like look in the mirror every day and just be reminded of this traumatic thing that I went through. And I just wasn't ready to, to cope with that. But unfortunately that is, um, that is a very likely side effect of the surgery that I had, but he had developed this thing called intraoperative monitoring where they can monitor all of the cranial nerves, um, how they're functioning during the surgery. So like, for example, they were able to tell like the exact moment that my hearing nerve died. Um, like it just, it showed on the monitor. And so, so he was able to monitor my facial nerve function while removing this, the tumor piece by piece by piece. And he was able to preserve my facial nerve function. So pretty incredible what he did. So um, yeah, it was about 10 hours long and I can, became completely deaf in my left ear so I have zero percent in that ear and I have really loud tinnitus so it's like like it honestly sounds like a school alarm constantly going off like it's 24 7 and it gets it sometimes is higher sometimes lower um, it's can it's 24 7 it's it hasn't dimmed since the day it happened and then on my right ear so my good ear I guess with the sudden um sudden change in hearing on that side Mm -hmm. um, hyperacusis in my right ear. So I have, um, it's like a really, like a, a large to sound to my right ear. So thank um, sirens. Um, they really hurt my ears or even things like if I am in any sort of loud environment, it's like, I don't know, but a funny side effect of that is that I get spooked a lot. So if someone comes up beside me and I don't hear them coming, like I just get into full spook mode. So it's kind of funny, but but yeah, and then I lost my, sorry if I'm rambling, but, and then I, okay. uh, lost, okay. I lost, lost my balance. Um, so I had to work at regaining that, but, um, but here I am now a few years later and I feel good. I have that's my, my hearing, but I, but I'm feeling really good. So, so yeah, that's good. That's, um, so it's been like what, yeah. four or five years you said? 
It's been about four, uh, just over four years since the surgery, but about five years since I was like starting to be investigated. And what was your, besides the hearing loss, anything else that you might have noticed, like your initial symptom that might made you think like, hmm, something is not well, right. I think the the thing is I, like the amount of exhaustion I had was not normal. Um, okay. Like I, I was, days like I had to just peel myself out of bed. But at the same time, I was working as an LPN studying to become an RN and working night shifts and everything. So I kind of chalked it up to that. And I got really bad headaches. Like I was like in and out of emergency for years because of bad migraines. And what I don't really like is that I never was once offered any sort of imaging when I went in there with significant headaches. And that's not a, a typical uh, sign of acoustic neuromas headaches. But the thing is, I can say from my personal experiences, they can't really necessarily say that. I think it's more individual because for me, I got severe headaches five, six days out of the week. And since my tumors remove, I seldom get headaches. So there's no, I think for me at least, like, there's no way that that bulk of a tumor in an enclosed skull wasn't causing headaches, if that makes sense. So for me, um, having the headaches and, and then balance issues, like, for example, like I would always fall up the stairs, which is really <laughs> random, but it's more one of those things where like in hindsight, I can see, oh, that was a balance issue. Um, but and, and then like I had one year joined a softball uh, a softball team and um i'm not a huge sports person but still i would always fall into bases so it's like i would fall forward a lot um so if even if i went from first base to second for example i would just i would trip trip over and fall to the ground like and so i just see that now and recognize not that now is poor balance but um maybe some coordination issues but I, I wouldn't have picked that up at the time. Like you just kind of, you know, sometimes you just chalk yeah. it up to something else. Yeah. yeah. So, that's, yeah. that's funny because when I was first, before I was diagnosed with my problem, um, one of the questions that my doctor asked me was that, have you noticed that you walk, you tend to bump into people's um, spaces when they're walking? And one of the things that I had since a younger age, because my problem is congenital, um, I used to walk and always bump into people and like invade their space if they're walking <laughs> side by side to me or trip on my own oh. foot. So Interesting. My, my cousin will say like, why are you always bumping into me? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I like to be next to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I will walk in a straight path and always my right foot would trip or something. Not out of nowhere. Oh, I would drag it. It's oh. like, what is going on? But wow. At a younger age, you don't think about that. Um, but it's interesting that you just, we as human beings were like, when we are busy with something, because in my case was similar as yours, I was always working, exhausted. Um, we just brush it off. We just like, ah, it's just exhaustion. We get into that age that we do too much and we want to do great for our life and have a career. And it's like, oh, it's just probably tiredness and exhaustion. It it will go away. I don't have time to, to take a look at what's going on. Um, yeah situations like that because you were in school you were becoming a nurse so it takes a toll being in any type of schooling that you're going to go into the medical field it is tiring all the hours yeah. you have to study um so um anything that you might remembered um did you ever had any type of balance disorder before like 
besides you realizing that you were running to the first base and falling, have you ever had like an, a huge episode that you might think, oh, this is not a regular exhausting episode or, it's, or it just randomly happened to you that you were getting worse with your balance or anything that you might have noticed with your situation in your case per se? I don't know if you're understanding what I'm saying. Yeah, um, I think it's weird because like in hindsight, I can see, oh, this is what this was and this is what this was. Um, but not necessarily like I just think like I actually talked to talk oh, sorry, chalked it all up to being a clumsy person. And it was like I started to just identify my personality as so it was like this friends they knew that I was a clumsy person. So I would um just trip and fall a lot, fall up the stairs all the time. Um, like you said, bumping into people like that. But it's like you never assume that that's gonna be an issue or that it's gonna be yeah, I thought anything more than just like being a clumsy person. But um I don't know if I'm answering Yeah no um, you are you are yeah but like don't I was never diagnosed with any I was diagnosed with um, migraine headaches. That was what they, okay. the doctors had assumed that I had migraine headaches. And so it was a constant battle just trying to figure out how I can live with, with migraine headaches. But never anything vestibular, never anything. Um, and, then it, and then it was like once it was confirmed that I had single-sided hearing loss or high-frequency hearing loss in my left ear, that's when it was like this um, isn't just a diagnosis of say hearing loss it might be something more and so it was more so just piecing the puzzle together once um some really abnormal symptoms started showing up and i think that to this day had um had i numb and had had i not really paid attention to the hearing issue like who knows how i would have found this tumor um but i think the thing was just that uh, numb faces like I mean anybody knows if their face is going numb there's something really wrong mm -hmm. um, but yeah so I think a lot of it's just looking back and it's just really interesting because now if that were to happen and I don't say this to cause any anxiety for people who are because some people they think you know any little symptom is something serious and that's because I don't want people to be like oh, I have a headache, it means I have a brain tumor, or I have a have hearing loss, it means I have an issue, because, I mean, more is the case, usually it is nothing, but I just encourage people to get tested for ruling things out as well. And I was assuming I was going to be one of those people that was ruling something out, but unfortunately I was one of the 100, one in 100,000 people that actually get <laughs> Uh Yeah, but uh, you know what, like, to be honest, being on the other side, brought me like to who I, I I am actually that happened because it changed my life in so significant ways that I wouldn't change uh experience happening I think that if whatever I go through now in the future I will manage very differently because of this experience so I don't I don't look back at it with like um eyes of I wish this didn't happen to me like I actually think positive thing that's happened in my life sounding weird but uh, I know it's if someone's listening to this can you say that I just think it, it took a point but there now
which is which is good to hear. I think everybody that that goes through like life changes, situations like these, because if you compare how your life was before to how it is now, it is completely it is completely I see it this way, night and day. Like when I was in my twenties, I was an athlete, my early thirties, I'm in my late thirties now, and I say the same thing as you say, like this happened for a reason. I think that I am grateful that it happened. Was it a great experience going to where I was to now? No. It takes time. Healing takes time, mm -hmm. specifically with like these type of disorders that consume. It's not only physical. It's also a mental and emotional that you have to stop yeah. thinking about negative thoughts because it takes a really, really bad toll in your emotional health, um, oh, specifically yeah. with these chronic, it's a chronic invisible illness. Um, yeah. People don't know what's going on with you. You look just fine because you're trying to put this face, but on the inside, your body is like asking for help. So I think that's a positive mm -hmm. way to see things, um, which I say that to people all the time, like even though it's a bad thing that happened in your life, um, but something positive came out of it. You know, like you are able to see things differently now. Um, mm -hmm. In my case, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to wake up every day and feel normal almost um mm -hmm. and the days that i'm not feeling normal well i can get back to almost normal you know yeah. um i'd say we take day the days day by day as they come that's all you yeah. have to be grateful for Amen. yeah completely because sometimes it could just i think that when you go through something that is really challenging whether think that um, and you working as a chiropractor, it's like you see people in pain and you know that physical pain is just a component of it because then you have physical pain or physical abnormality in any sort of way. You're going to have an emotional aspect of that as well because it's going to interrupt your daily life. And sometimes it's just so physically painful, physically exhausted, exhausting can impact your work like it's every single thing is impacted when you have something and it's difficult when it is invisible because sometimes people might not like you can look at someone say wound or scar or a broken leg and you can see oh yeah I understand why they're struggling but when you can't see it that makes it difficult I think sometimes for people to be able to maybe admit when they're struggling or just like not put on a brave face and so I think it is important to bring awareness. That's why I think so great about your podcast and your page and stuff, because you are able to educate as well as some positivity to people who are going through it. So I really like that you're doing that. Thank you. And, and also, I was looking at your Instagram. I was doing a little stalking on your Instagram. <laughs> I see that, that, you, that you do a lot of motivational sayings, which I love, because those positive affirmations help people, you know, um, read them and think about them and just try to apply them every single yeah. day for them to feel better because um in my case I I, I went to like a, a stage in my life that I even told my mother on the phone like I wish I was dead right now I can't do this oh like you know that deep yeah. depression was so oh. bad because you think in your mind that you're never going to feel better like my room yeah. never spin I just felt completely off like I couldn't see mm. well or focus my eyes well and I, at that moment, my son is five now. Yeah, I have a five-year-old, so he will always wanted to play with me, and I couldn't because I can't focus. I was so exhausted. I had so many symptoms, um, and I used to tell my mom that all the time. And my husband was the one saying, like, you need to get out of this funk, you know. You need to, to start, start thinking positive. Take the change every single day as a blessing. 
get up and do things, move around. And after he gave me what is called like tough love, yeah. I was like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. Um, I can't mm-hmm. keep going like this because I never stopped working. So throughout my whole thing, wow. I didn't take a day off. I only took one day off because I was left in the emergency room. That's it. Mm-hmm. But I was working the whole time. So um, I think those positive affirmations that you do write and share um, are really good to educate people and to give that positive and that hope for them to like, look, if she was able to do this, um, I think I can do it too, you know, which is, mm-hmm. which is really great. It's, really, it's not, you don't see that as often and specifically in like Instagram and, and all these social media pages, which is really good. Yeah. Well, thank you. But um, I think it's hard to, and being in a healing profession, you didn't even take a single day off even though you weren't well I think sometimes it's like we just naturally want to take care of others instead of taking care of ourselves and I just I think it's so important to stop and um, fill your own cup and take care of yourself so that you can show up better for the world and kind of sounds like that tough love was almost exactly what you needed but I, I also went through a long period of almost feeling sorry for myself slash in very depressed and very anxious. And so I had to learn, I would, I really had to gain tools to a ton of counseling and, and started meditating and journaling. And I found that as as I incorporated a morning routine that involved stillness, that's when my life started to change a lot. And so, um, so I'll give you an example, like when I, cause I also lost my balance. So listening to one of your previous podcasts where you're talking about how the difference between balance um, issues as well as vertical the room is spinning and balance issues can you can be unsteady with your walking and mobility but also like that had both um so i had i remember waking up and um <laughs> and this is like a day of surgery and I, I opened my eyes and the entire room was flipped upside down. So like oh, I, no. my eyes were open and it looked like people were walking on the roof upside down. And, I, and it was, and I thought I was like, I was like, okay, maybe this is from the drugs. Like, I'm like, is this the morphine? Like, I don't know. But then it was obviously just my vestibular system was completely out of whack. And then I got up to walk for the first time and it took like two nurses and my sister and I couldn't even like, the room was spinning. I couldn't walk. And I just remember crying on my way to the bathroom, just like, how is this my life? Like, how possibly happening? And then I was deaf and the ringing was so, I just was like, like, it felt like I was hit by a bus and it was like insanely nauseous. And then of course having, so I had 28 stitches um, head, And so I will, um, I'll, I'll send you some of the pictures that you can see on my Instagram so that you can maybe share it. You could even put it in the show notes of this if you want. So people who are going to have a, a bit of a little bit. Um, sure. Yeah, I had 28 stitches and it was, um, it was really intense. So, so losing well and, and having the vertigo and stuff that can really take a toll on you. And it kind of feel like, I don't know about if you had this sensation, but um, when I was experiencing vertigo and stuff, like I would be just lying still and it felt like I was on a, a boat. Did you ever have that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. um, like, if, like if I always compare it to like, if you go out one night and drink a lot and you lay mm-hmm. down and you, whoa, like what is going on? That's the best yeah. description I can give anybody out there. Um, 
about what it feels like. It feels like you just either on a boat in the water or laying down on one of those floaty devices in the water and it feels like swaying or your body's yeah. moving when it's not moving really, which is so weird. It's true. And so I had that and then I, I was discharged from the hospital. I came home. I had to stay with my mom. Um, she took care of me because I couldn't walk or anything. And um, so I just remember that first 10 hours of being home too much information but I'm just yeah but I started <laughs> for non-stop like I had to be rushed back to emergency because I was like gray and color absolutely projectile vomiting non-stop I was so sick and it was a lot to do with just my vestibular system trying to um, readjust on the right meds and so um, I had to actually go on the meds that were um, given to people who experienced severe nausea mm. that for probably about a month and then I was trying everything natural like ginger and ew to this day I'm like I can't even stand the smell <laughs> of ginger I'm like I will never try that again but that was uh, my experience with the balance and then I had to use a four-wheel walker to try and gain it back and then I just did a bunch of Bikram yoga and walked and walked and walked trying to regain it. And then I did. And then I finally felt like decent enough to that six months after the surgery, I was like getting ready to try work out again. And then halfway through my workout, I started vomiting again. So that was, that is an unpleasant side effect of, of having anything vestibular is the nausea and vomiting that can come mm -hmm. with it. So, but that yeah, goes which away. Is, which is it does go away, but it does, I think that was the worst too, the nausea and the vomiting. Horrible, because you just feel so awful and worn down, and then you get dehydrated, and it's it's not, not fun. fun. I, I, I really do have empathy for people who go through anything vestibular, because hearing loss is one thing, but um, and dizziness and nausea, vomiting, it, like completely debilitating. Completely. Yeah. But that's what I will say is once you heal up from the surgery, once you get into a place of um, regain stuff like that, but once you heal from, doesn't usually, it's not like you have to necessarily adjust, but like that's not my reality anymore. So, yeah. Which is good. So, um, what would you tell somebody that is going through? either finding out they had an acute neuroma and they have to get surgery, like what would you tell them? Um, like not to what to expect, but what would you tell them in general for help them either feel better or, or for them to mm -hmm. know um, the stuff that is out there to support each other? Yeah, it's tough. Like that is, I think that I would just tell them that I know how scary it is. It is, it actually can be quite, I just want to let them know that um, from day one, even if they don't feel it now, everything is like they will get the treatment they need and that there is life after. I think that a big part of this is like my life is going to be over. I'm going to have to change everything. I think the most important thing that I've learned is how to take things one day at a time. And so um, and I also think it's important for people to go through the ends of it. So uh, whether it's a grieving process or whether it's um, like, cause you do kind of have like first you're kind of in that shocky state and then 
in a bit of denial. Like I feel like I went through a weird grieving process with it because it was almost like a change in the life that I knew as well as it's like your face. That's really scary. So I think it's important to give yourself grace in that and be able to um, find compassion for yourself, but, but also find strength within yourself too, because you don't really have a choice. Um, and, but it's like finding um, support system. So like for me, my mom um, was like my entire thing, like making sure someone goes to their appointments with them. I think that's very important because they're, you when you're in a shocky state, you're not necessarily going to be hearing what they're telling you. Um, so I think it's important to bring someone. I know it's difficult with COVID now, but even if they record it or something so that they can reflect with someone so that they have their needs met I know in Canada we don't really have the choice between what certain I'm in a couple support group online which will someone I would recommend Oh my, okay, so you're, you're breaking up a little and bit there. Basically, it's, uh, it's a large group of people from all over the world. Yeah, I can't hear you um, now. So, oh, can you hear me now? Okay, perfect. Um, so yeah, Acoustic Normal Friends is a good online support support system for people. Um, so that would be a good one to go to as well. Um, and yeah, and then for us, like I didn't have a choice of which. So it's just it was told states um, and other areas. It, so it would be important to obviously do your research and make sure that you have a surgeon that for I don't really because I didn't of having to find the right doctor I can't really speak on that but talking to other people that's would be to find out um, the experience they have with of tumors um, and I would say also um, it too in terms of like I think watch and wait. If they're smaller tumors, you can do that. If you if it's above, I don't know the exact measurements, but you can also do like radiotherapy, radiate, um, and then there's also the option of surgery as well. So uh, just making sure that th they do their research and they're prepared for the every single one of those. And so for me, I think that even if I had the choice, uh, this is personal, but than surgery but to be honest out of my head is like I have a sense of relief even though it's caused some like definite I have a sense of relief with that because um just knowing that there was it's can expand right like ours it's enclosed <laughs> and it like mine was pushing up against my brain stem and um and I my, my and my pawns it all had um some compression there scary knowing that especially with my like i have medical knowledge and so it was scary out of my head there was a sense of relief. surgery is scary i had a sense of relief and i'm multiple scans since and i've not no regrowth and so so that's something to be to think about um but i would just definitely say Take it one day at a time. It's okay if you're scared. It's okay if you're sad. It's okay if you're grieving. Process with it. There is a change, but I think that there is something to be said about, um, like, I think some people, 
anytime you go through something potentially traumatic, if people want to identify as it being something traumatic and I went through and then I started recognizing the growth that I had going through something like this and now it's made me into a better person. So it's like an opportunity for potential of there as well. And so I like to instill that a sense of hope for people as well because I don't think that these be all bad. I think that there's huge lessons and blessings in having something completely shape your world and that's part of my messaging everybody that's gone through it but that's just my personal experience which is which is nice to hear um, because uh, a lot of people need I think people need to hear it um, because um, mm -hmm. I've encountered that, oh, you, I always say this, you don't know um, what they go through until you have it, you know, um, yeah. with all these vestibular disorders, you're going to hear all the time people saying, oh, I have that, I, I get those vertical spells, but they go away. No, they don't. Um, not everybody yeah. has the same type of vestibular disorders or vertical spells or spinning um, disorders or lightheadedness. Um, so it is really, really good to get into these support groups because they're always going to be somebody there to help you out, to guide you. Um, I'm in mm -hmm. one of them, too, in Facebook. I'm in the uh, vestibular disorder support group. I'm in that one. Um, but if you were diagnosed, I have, there's plenty of people there that have been diagnosed with an acoustic neuroma. Um, so they're always looking for for some, some type of support or for some type of, of guidance of what to do. Um, but that's a good support group, the one that you said. And, and the Facebook that you said? If you go on Facebook and you search Acoustic Neuroma Friends, um, and then you could just request to join on there. I also think there's a lot of ton. Some people put down social media and stuff, but an awesome resource to connect with real people. Like if you look up the hashtag Neuroma, you will see that so many people have stories, so many people post, I don't know, they're with it and it. So I think that's another great way of finding people. People can always, I'm um, anytime someone needs to talk or needs some advice, like I'm more than happy to connect with them as well. So they, I'm on Instagram. I've started this little page um, and it's not necessary. Like I do talk about my tumor, but I'm more so I'm like, well, this thing's like more positive type of um page um and i do talk about my surgery as well so people can contact me on there it's half deaf nurse um h-a-l-f um deaf nurse and so that's just my little instagram so people can find me as well but um i would also join if you could maybe send me i'll join support group you're in so i could connect with sure. maybe some acoustic yeah, people. yeah. i'm more than happy to talk to people talk because it's um yeah, it's kind of unique to go through something like that. Yeah, specifically when you hear the word tumor, people always think it's malignant yeah. and cancerous. Um, I know. But it's funny that you're talking about the hashtag acoustic neuroma. That's that's how I, I found you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh well, let me click. Yeah, let me click acoustic neuroma hashtag to see what okay. I can find because nobody's reaching out to me and I send you the message. That's how I'm like, oh, she, she maybe her, maybe her. <laughs> That's yeah, so funny. that's how I found. Yeah, no. Because yeah, when, mm. when I first saw your page, you only had like two, three pictures, only. Yeah. I think you were just a page. Yeah. Yeah, I well, I started it. 
out and then and then someone showed me like oh this is how you can make it like aesthetically I was like okay so I did a bit of a revamp and that's why um, I'm just starting to post again so I I gave my Instagram a makeover <laughs> and it uh, and that, so now I'm to add some more things and stuff like that so um, yeah I, I think that it's in how many people out there do talk I even found some people on TikTok like if you look up the hashtag on TikTok people will post videos about their Oh really? And so there's a lot of people people out there, and it's because you think like, it's talking, how it's such a rare thing. But when you get to connecting with people, you see you're totally not alone, and there's so many people out there that do have it and that open to talking about it. It's helpful for. Yes, like I said, like specifically people who have gone through the same thing as you, they know, they have an idea of what you might be going through, the feelings that you are, like the feelings that you're going through, because it's hard to describe yeah. it. I always, people will ask me and I was just, I always used to say, it's just so hard to say it in words what I'm feeling right now, or what are my symptoms right yeah. now. It's just so yeah. hard to describe it for you to even understand or grasp the idea of, of what it is. So, it, like I said, those support groups are really, really good, though. And I did yeah. see your, your TikTok. I saw your tumor. Your tumor was... and the TikTok was huge, by the way. I know. I, I have my, I, I read MRIs at my job, and I know when I see a tumor, the size and stuff like that. I don't know the size of how big acoustic neuromas have to be to be taken out. I do know the side effects of taking them out, like you said, facial paralysis, facial numbness. Um, but when I saw your picture, I was like, oh, my God, that thing was huge. <laughs> that was really big. Really, really big. It was crazy. Um, it was. Because Sorry, um, it, it, it must have been taking a lot out of you because um, it must have been invading other parts of your brainstem, too, because that thing was really big. I know. So it, it's difficult to know how long it was going as well. Um, because, yeah, it, it, usually it, it's the overproduction of shrubs, and usually yeah. it can start on your eighth cranial nerve and just slowly start wrapping around. Um, I think that's probably, I mean, there's no way of knowing what age I was when this started, but, but being that I was 30 and it was that large um, that tells the doctor um, either there was a massive growth spurt within my tw year tw when I was in my 20s um, or I've had it for many years since I was a young kid and then it just got to a point where it was so big that it caused symptoms so um, the reason my face went numb was because it was compressing on my trigeminal nerve and mm -hmm. so actually one and that pressure was relieved I got my sensation back so I have sensation in my face again which is really cool and so um but yeah, but that, but yeah, definitely when it, when it starts uh, shifting, like things in your brain, um, uh, to think that like, if I can get it removed and it continued to grow, like I literally don't, where I'd be, I'd, I, I, it's scary to think about, but I'm just so grateful that it was found when it was, but it was shocking. Like I said to you before, is like, picture I just it's my head like there's no way and so I think that um don't quote me because 
actually may be different depending on the surgeon, but I do believe to have surgery, I think it needs to be like 2.5 centimeters or above. Um, yeah, mine was like, I think when I initially was diagnosed, it was like 3.2 by three centimeters or something. And then by the time they took it out, like it was larger, four centimeters, like it was, uh -huh. it was large and it's difficult to, for them to, like an image can only capture so much, right? So mm -hmm. it's so nice now when I have a scan and there's absolutely no tumor left. Like it's feeling to look at that before and after. That's so nice. That's that must be like a relief. Like every time you get a scan, you Hello? you must be like, oh my god. Hello, can you hear me? So I was saying that um, it must be a relief every time you have one of those MRI appointments because you're hoping that it it won't regrow because some of these some of these type of surgeries, specifically in your case that I was reading about um, acoustic neuromas, is that if they don't take the whole thing out and they leave a small little portion, it might grow back. But in your case, everything was removed, right? Yeah, they removed, like, he said he's pretty sure he removed every single cell. And, like, it's pretty amazing to think of intricate ability to do But But um, so far, so, I think three MR. And I've had no regrowth, so now they've been able to spread apart a little bit further. Now every time. My boyfriend like will come with me and be super supportive and nice to like, I have that support. Like, I don't have anxiety that it's going back. They call it scans. I greater of MRI, but uh, where I I feel and I'll even if throat regrow, it will be because um hopefully if in time where it would be small enough and and I just know that since first battle that I would be able to over eat come back at some point in my life I I know that I'd be able to but I I, I don't really know that particular I really hope like I mean sometimes people um have a certain condition they get I luckily don't have that. So, yeah. yeah, like I was reading about about having it in both ears. It's mostly due to like neurofibromatosis, like the NF2 situation. That's yeah. when they get it probably in both ears, um, which is really rare because it's like I said, it's a genetical, it's like genetic disorder. Um, yeah. But how? The last thing I wanted to ask you is, I believe a lot in like like a positive mentality, positive affirmation, um, writing, mm -hmm. journaling. How has that helped you to get to the point to where you are now, to your healing point where you are right now? That is um, the most important aspect of my life. Even now, it's a huge priority. So it's interesting. And I went through it and I wasn't waiting for surgery. I had a car accident. And so I was really forced to kind of with myself and kind of redefine my life because crazy busy body burning my candle at both ends then suddenly I was like just forced to that and like I could either use that um into use it to sit there 
fall into a deeper depression, which of course and into recognize that it's actually a gift that I'm here um, and that I'm getting treatment. I was able to kind of shift my mindset to be, see the positives. The thing I started doing was writing a gratitude journal. Just a little plain mm-hmm. journal. I a bit of a morning ritual and I started writing down things I was grateful for and that really started to shift because I was able to see that they like even the small that I would normally actually blessings in my life even just even as simple as like having your phone fully charged I know it sounds silly but it's like you're appreciating these things that seem so normal or like I have a cat so I was like oh I'm so grateful her and I'm grateful for this book that I'm reading and so like I'm grateful for the smell of fresh air like the tiniest state of appreciation helped me um, start and then I started meditating so with that I was able to um, learn how to sit with my thoughts and not be so reactive to them so the is my life now um, but um, to not necessarily take away my thoughts completely, but to let go of my emotional attachment to every single thought that would come into my mind. So having a, a, a stillness kind of presence practice. Because like, it was one of those things like I would, I would overthink and then I would get into this state of worry about the future and then I would get into this state of like sadness about the past and like missing the way my life was and Instead, I was able to be more present, see how that can influence my life. And so to this day, that's it opened doors in terms of like um, just amazing things start to happen. You start to like find books that you enjoy reading or you uh, maybe meet um, a couple new friends who are into different things. And you, yeah, your life just starts to shift in a different way. And um, And I think that also like, Sometimes those motivational cliche things that people are like, I hate those motivational things. It's actually inspiring when you start to listen to people's stories of people who overcome things and how they were able to and what they learned from it. Because when you start to see yourself in those um, those stories, that's when you can start making changes in your own life. And you have no idea like what you're made of. And I think that that can attribute to the resilience that I've experienced. And so, so I was able to go back to the dream career I loved. I, I went, I started, so I went through a breakup right a couple weeks after my surgery, which was difficult, but I like found the courage again to start dating. Now I'm in this relationship and, and all of these positive things started happening again. But I definitely think that um, having a stillness pr- practice gratitude or doing like so yeah on my page I try and post an affirmation every morning and then I have that little highlight section so I can click through that saying and actually feeling it um, can greatly impact your life another thing that I do and I did when I was especially in a lower lower mindset I'm not even talking about just physically healing but um, as well but a difficult time finding motivation I think sometimes just um I think like I don't know if you know who Mel- she's, she's an amazing speaker and uh, she's an author she's she's amazing but she 
five second rule. So like any, well, if you're like in bed and you know you have, you're like kind of feeling defeated, but countdown three, two, one, and then just get up and do whatever you need to become a part of my life is the five second rule I love, as well as like things like um like if I have to do something. I really want to do I'll just set my timer for 10 minutes and then challenge myself to get all that stuff done in 10 minutes and then usually it causes a snowball effect and then I every 10 minutes I'm resetting my alarm and getting things that I need to get done so it's kind of cool because I wasn't really like that before I wasn't into any of this type of mind body uh spiritual stuff and this experience has led me appreciate that which is funny because I was never like that either. I was like, I'll get up and go. Um, I never, I think, saw myself with these motivational quotes or affirmation or positive affirmations. I used to think the same thing, like you said, like, oh, these cliche things. Um, but everything, yeah. everything happens for a reason. And this traumatic life experience, because it's a traumatic life experience, even though you end up with a positive note, changes the way you think of life completely. I take, like I said, every day for me is a blessing. I take every day as a gift that I'm able mm -hmm. to function almost normal, which yep. which I would never th I would never stop and think about that before. It was just yep. get up, coffee, work. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And too, like working with the or anywhere, like you, you have more compassion and empathy for people because you know what it's like to have something that can be potentially debilitating connect with people on its own too like it can truly like improve your relationships with self and others because you have a new found sense of empathy for things. so I think in itself life is which is nice well Mayan mm -hmm. I want to thank you for taking the time of the day to spend and talk with me a little bit I apologize about earlier we were having so many technical difficulties today <laughs> um, but stuff happens um, but if you guys want to follow Megan like, like, like she said earlier she's an Instagram half deaf nurse like H-A-L-F deaf D-E-A-F nurse and TikTok is the same one TikTok um, same thing of nurse 86 i'm not over like i'm not the most like video yep. creative but i do i do post the <laughs> so um yeah, yeah. instagram and tiktok instagram. Are, yeah, okay so mainly instagram, instagram and tiktok are like two different monsters to to tackle and to master they i totally think are. Um, so yes if you guys want to follow her and follow her positive affirmations they're amazing i like mm -hmm. to read them um, when she posts them, I share them also. Um, and if you guys ever want to reach out to her, make sure you do. Like she's, she's been amazing. Like trying to get out this out there because we need to have more awareness of all these vestibular disorders, not only acoustic neuromas, like all the other ones. Um, because mm -hmm. it's good for people out there to know what they can do to either help the, help themselves or help a loved one. So, Megan, do you want to tell anything else to everybody out there before we leave? Um, no, but thank you so much for having me and for asking such thoughtful questions and for having a platform like this. I think that it can truly help a lot of people. And podcasts are just um, so nice because you can walk and listen, you can drive and listen, you can clean and listen, and it's like so accessible for everyone. So I think it's a great way to do that. And 
but yeah, just for anybody out there, I think um, just don't lose hope. Uh, there is absolutely life after this. And I think, um, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably it. But I really, really appreciate you having me today. Well, thank you. Thank you, Megan. Um, so for those who are listening, thank you for tuning in. Um, next week, I'm going to start talking about BPPV, benign paracetamol positional vertigo. It's been taking me a while because I've been trying to get as much information as I can. And like I, like the same thing I did with acoustic neuromas, I'm going to start looking for somebody that I can interview for BPPV to share their story. So I hope everybody has a beautiful weekend. Enjoy Memorial Day weekend nice and safe with your family members even though over here in new york is pouring raining for the whole weekend um so guys enjoy the rest of the weekend and i'll talk to you guys soon bye